This is Sunday Letters, the weekly newsletter on life, work and the pursuit of happiness. I'm Larry Maguire. Sunday Letters has been on the go since 2015 in written form and more recently in audio form. And you'll find no advertising here, no marketing, no round-the-corner attempts by third parties to sell you stuff you don't need and part you from your cash. Instead, this show is about content of a deeper nature. Stuff that keeps me up at night. Stuff that I spend hours and days researching, writing, editing, recording. And all because I think it's worth sharing. I think it's worth your consideration. And if you enjoy the stuff that I do, if you like what I write and enjoy what I record, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. Costs a fiver a month or 50 a year. And you'll help me create more time to make stuff like this. Get over to sundayletters.larrygmaguire.com to show your support for the show. So, here's this week's edition. Back around, I'd say, 2000, um, 2001, I was working for uh, a company. A lot of blokes in the company, mostly blokes. And um, it was, you know, your typical uh, masculine hierarchical structure Um one or two bosses at the top, uh, senior managers, middle managers, then the likes of myself on the ground managing sites. And um, it was okay. I mean, I was young in my 20s, early 20s, and I enjoyed the work. Uh, I, I enjoyed the challenge of a job, starting it off, doing the best work I could and getting it done. Um, and by virtue of doing that and I suppose comparatively doing a better job than most. I got some um, responsibility. So, you, you know, looking after guys, managing jobs, uh, you have to work with a with a supervisor or a, or a, a manager, let's call him. And uh, the relationship I had with one guy in particular wasn't great. And it all stemmed from me changing the plan without permission, if you follow. So a lot of guys... And I suppose women would be the same, but mainly blokes, certainly in the construction game, blokes are uh, quite insecure. And, you know, I think on reflection, I'd have to I'd have to say that I've fallen fell to this idea myself where. Those who work for you or under you, for want of a better description, um, are required to just toe the line and do what they're asked to do. And don't ask any questions. And it really doesn't help the cause very much because you're asking uh, you're asking people to just behave like robots. And, and human beings aren't like robots. And I suppose I've come to that realization uh, just by virtue of experience and doing it the wrong way. But anyway, this guy needed my compliance. Um, his position required me to comply and just do what I was told, even though, you know, the nuts and bolts of getting a job done was really up to me and he was there just to manage it and whatever. But anyway, I, I went against the script at one particular occasion and he didn't like it. And from that point on, he kind of had, he had the gun for me, you know? So I was on his hit list big time and I couldn't do a thing right without running it by him first. Uh, and, and the situation was very difficult to work under. Um, and I've no doubt many of you have felt the same. Uh, you have a manager in your workplace and uh, it's just they're they're 
micromanagement, you could say, of the situation is just unbearable for you to work within because, you know, you've no creativity, you've no sense of autonomy, you have no ability to self-direct. That's all gone. You're just a bloody machine. Do as you're told and that's it. So anyway, um, this guy was a little bollocks and uh, uh, nobody really liked him too much. <laughs> I didn't like him myself. So I put up with this for a while and eventually I left. Uh, I handed in my notice and I went off and I did my own thing. Um, set up a little business and just uh, start plugging away with the few contacts that I had uh, and the few tools that I had. And I managed to do okay. Uh, work at first was thin on the ground. There wasn't a whole lot. It, was, it wasn't much more than just a few nixers here and there. But uh, it gradually built and word got out. And I think that I, I, I taught myself a very important lesson, I suppose, in that uh, you have a kind of a, a bit of a grow to do something, you know, to do your own thing. And I had that for a while, even though I was working for someone else. Um, and this guy just gave me the push that I needed. So I suppose I should be grateful to him. Um, but but something I believe um, a large portion of the workforce have some kind of dream, some kind of ambition to do their own thing, whether it's to open up a, an animal sanctuary or, and, and one guy actually told me that one night when we were drunk in a pub somewhere that that's what he wanted to do. Um, or, or just launch your own business based around your own particular technical expertise or whatever it happens to be. Lots of people want to do their own thing, but maybe they don't believe that they have what it takes or maybe they believe it's too much of a risk and that the money they get where they are is, 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 um, is too good to leave behind and they'd rather just put up with the negative aspects of work for the paycheck than take the chance to do their own thing and not be able to make enough to live and that's an unfortunate situation i think it's not only unfortunate it's reflective of our society and how we ha how we have a constructed because you have all of these millions and millions and millions of people who work for a very tiny minority and that tiny minority now i'm not talking about small, medium enterprises. I'm not talking about, you know, a, a five or a 10 person operation or even a 20 person, person operation. I'm talking about these global entities with many thousands of people working for them. Enormously profitable. And all of those profits go to a very tiny few people. And I think there's something fundamentally flawed with that because it just means that all of the work that you and I do on a daily basis goes to put uh, cash in the pockets of a very, very few people who, you know, okay, they might donate to this or that charity and feel like they're doing a good thing. And, you know, uh, and maybe they are to an extent, but there are inherent problems with capitalism and uh, charity donating a couple of million here and there to charity. And it doesn't solve those problems. In fact, capitalism by virtue of what it is, basically pours petrol on the fire but anyway that's not really what i wanted to get onto today i want to talk uh, talk about this whole concept of working for oneself and the challenges that it brings about and you know if you're working for somebody else at the minute and you have an idea of doing your own thing uh yet you're concerned about the the added pressure that you're going to bring on yourself i'm here to tell you that you're absolutely right that it's going to be an enormous challenge but the benefits i believe far away the challenges. Um, although there are times when it doesn't feel like that, uh, where uh, people aren't paying you on time, 
staff are acting the maggot uh suppliers don't deliver when they're supposed to deliver uh, there are all kinds of problems that prop up and it makes you think you know what the hell am i doing why did i even bother i'd be better off staying working for somebody else but really you won't really you won't and you aren't because the things that you get to learn about yourself and the challenges the difficult positions that you put yourself in uh, are an advantage they, they, they challenge you like nothing else and sure what are you going to do uh which are do you want a handy a handy number and you learn nothing from things being handy if you want a sporting analogy for example you go out with a team you play on a team whatever it is you go out onto the field and you play a team that's so much weaker than you maybe five or six divisions lower than you and you go out and you hockey them you hand them their arse on a plate what do you learn about yourselves nothing really other than you beat a child you know it's like that's what it's like playing against a child so you can take it handy and and you know um not put too much pressure on yourself in the workplace but then you don't really learn anything about yourself and uh i believe if you're going to learn something about yourself you've got to put yourself in harm's way and that's what self-employment does it puts you in harm's way and sometimes um you just can't help it you just have this drive this grow to do something else and you just go for it but um the challenges are huge and one of those challenges some the topic i wanted to talk about today in particular is the challenge of managing people and it's a it's a topic i've taken on for a dissertation um a research proposal that is submitted this weekend uh, is around this topic and i wanted to know well, first of all, I, I claim that or I assert or I believe that self-employment brings about well-being advantages that far outweigh that uh, which you gain for work, from working for somebody else. In other words, you'll be better off psychologically from a psychological well-being perspective working for yourself than you will uh, for working for someone else. That's the first thing. Um, and that engaging in self-employment will bring about the fulfillment of what's called basic psychological needs so there are these uh, three basic needs i hope i remember them now and uh, one of them is autonomy the other one is competence and the other one is relatedness there you go i remember them so autonomy is this sense that uh you know you can self-direct that you you have a desire to to make something yourself and that you can you you are your own engine you know self-motivated intrinsic values uh uh push you forward you could say want pushing it is a, it's the wrong analogy but you get the picture competence is this sense of being able you know linked to self-efficacy self-confidence as well it's this it's this knowledge um in oneself or confidence in oneself to be able to do the job and and do it well no matter what it is and then relatedness is this idea that you want to be associated with other people. It's this sense of community or sense of togetherness uh, towards a collective goal. And now you can achieve those three basic, basic psychological needs working for an organization or so the research suggests. But I believe that the, the, those three um, basic psychological needs can be achieved to a greater extent when you work for yourself. However, I also claim that uh, hiring staff and you're self-employed and you hire staff um, impacts that uh, fulfillment, the basic psychological needs and in turn your well-being. It, it basically reduces it. So the more staff you have direct 
um, supervision of the more of an impact that will have on your well-being. And this is what I want to explore. Uh, it seems logical, doesn't it, that if you've got 10 staff under your direct control and you're trying to run a business at the same time, you're going to be pulled asunder. I know this because it happened to me. And um, I think maybe two or three people under your direct control or direct supervision, uh, it's probably manageable because you can set them to work and then go about, you know, managing your day to day. But uh, I think five will probably be the limit of that. Six, seven, eight. Now you're now you're going to start feeling the pinch. Ten beyond. Forget it. You need a manager. You need to hire a manager at that stage. Uh, and that's what I learned. So I'm exploring this and subsequent to to this uh, idea. Um, I'm also looking at um, the impact of uh, social support and perceived uh, support from, I don't know, self-employed groups, uh, peers that you can relate to. People, in other words, who support what you're doing uh, that you can turn to when you need, like a mentor or something like that. Um, so uh, the research that I'm planning to do claims that um, your perception of, of support structures, your perceived autonomy support, will counter that negative effect of actually managing people. And so too will your length of time in self-employment. So the longer you're self-employed, the longer you're doing your own thing, well, then the better capable you will be of managing the challenges of uh, supervising other people. So I'm really interested in this topic because I I was there. And I know that a lot of you listening to this have been or are in similar position where you have the technical expertise, the skills to go out and do your thing. You could be a musician, a songwriter, a street sweeper, an accountant, uh, 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 visual artist, you know, plumbers. doesn't matter. You have the technical expertise. You've spent five, ten years uh, gathering those skills. And now you feel like you do. You can do your own thing. So off you go um, and out into the world to do your own thing and make make a few books and maybe get a sense of freedom from your work. Um, I was there too. And uh, maybe this bit of research will afford some, I don't know, benefit to the likes of you uh, in your work. And maybe um, maybe I can help other people who found themselves in a difficult spot like I found myself. Um, and I, I think there's value in that. And, I, you know, there has to be, uh, there has to be that sense of, of, relatability um some would suggest that uh being too close to the material being too close to the subjects to the to the participants in this in a study um is a kind of runs counter to the whole philosophy research philosophy but i don't think so i think that being close to the subject matter gives you a, a better perspective and enables you to interpret the information and the data beyond that of somebody outside uh, that particular area who, who has never been self-employed and doesn't know what it means to be self-employed. You know, I'm not talking about words and uh, conditions and circumstances. I'm talking about the visceral sense that you feel when you step out of your house and um, you have to go to work because if you don't, nobody does and you don't earn a book, you know. So uh, in Sunday letters, I'm kind of I'm I'm going on about this a little bit. I talk about um, what's his name, 
this guy that um, pushed me out the door and convinced me that I should indirectly convince me that I should do my own thing. I, I um, kind of compare him to what's his name from the Invincibles, Mr. Pugh, is it? Or Mr. Hugh or whatever his name was. He was, uh, um, he was in, he was the boss of the big dad, dad, invincible fellow, whatever he was, Mr. Hugh, who Mr. Hoof uh, from the Invincibles. He's a horrible little bollocks. And the, this bloke was, was quite similar. Although his, his skin was paler and his hair was thinner and beady little eyes. Uh, but I should be thankful. I should be thankful. Even though I wanted to box his lights out at the time. So uh, this is what I'm studying. And it'll be a year before I have this this research put together. But it started now. That's how long it takes to uh, conduct a study, believe it or not. Um, so looking forward to it. And it just I'm talking about this a little bit today in uh, the Sunday Letters article. Um, so you can get over to read that. It's uh, sundayletters.larrygmaguire.com. Sunday Letters is free. It has been since 2015 and will continue to be. Uh, there's an audio associated with, with every article um, and goes out on the podcast separately. Uh, on Wednesdays, I produce, um, I publish The Nomic, which is a shorter read. Uh, that's for paid subscribers only. So uh, the main Sunday Letters is free. If you want the little bits and pieces, the extra bits and pieces, well, uh, that'll cost you a five or a month. But in today's newsletter, you can pick up a subscription for a uh, 20% discount. So that's four quid a month, 40 a year for life. If you decide to stick around that long, I hope you do. And um, that's the story. So uh, keep your eye out on, on uh, Sunday Letters for more on this uh, topic, because as I kind of filter through the information and kind of uh, distill down this this approach, this kind of subject. I'll share it with you here on Sunday Letters and maybe you're interested. I know maybe a lot of you people out there are doing your own thing. Or, you know, you're, you're, you're a writer or, or you're an artist or you're otherwise engaged in self-employment. Of course, you're going to be interested in this. You can probably relate or maybe you're thinking about hiring people. Uh, I don't want to turn you off, but um, bear in mind that as the number of people under your direction increases, the more pressure makes sense, doesn't it? The more pressure you're going to feel. So it is a it is a case of sucker and see because you, you don't know these things before you start. And when I started, I was full of naive enthusiasm, 25 years of age, full of beans, out doing my own thing. It was great for a couple of years, really was. And uh, but that it's, it's like getting married, you know, uh, the initial euphoria with the whole sense of being married it tends to wear off after a few years and it's the same with work you know you're in that honeymoon period where you you really enjoying your self-employment uh, working for yourself but then after a while the novelty wears off and you have to uh knuckle down and get into the the day-to-day -day thing so the thing has to grow and you have to grow with it um and there are inherent challenges in that but uh, with those challenges comes the potential for personal growth, as well as making extra money, uh, that's not necessarily always the case. I suppose on balance, if I was to look at what, I, listen, I'm I'm grateful for what I have now. I mean, it, it, can't, it couldn't, couldn't be any different than it is. I took the decisions that I took, or I made the decisions that I made, should I say. 
and I am where I am. So there's no regret. It's kind of like uh, regret with a small R, which suggests, ah, shit, I should have done that like this. Do you follow me? As opposed to regret with a big R, which is like you're beating yourself up all over the place for making a mistake, you know? And there are no mistakes. Be, uh, we'd be quite philosophical about, about this. There are no mistakes. There are just decisions and results. They either look bright and shiny or they don't. If they don't, who cares? Move on, you know? It's like the football team that I coach, um, under 15 kids playing GA, the local sport here. Um, and, um, you know, they might win a ball, take a shot, goes wide. So what? Next ball, right? Um, Paul O'Connell said in a video that I saw recently, he was doing some conference thing, and it's a little clip going around the place. And um, he talks about uh, winning the moment in front of your face. And that's really what it is. That's that's what life, that's what your work is. That's what life is. That's what sport is. You can't progress if you're anchored in some mistake that you made 30 seconds ago or last year or five or 10 years ago, that's no good to you. You've got to win the moment in front of your face. And the moment is now in front of the screen or on the field or with a client or on this job or screwing that screw in. You've got to do it as well as you possibly can. And this is not new. This goes back to Eastern philosophy that suggests there is no time. All there is is now. And you've got to focus your mind and do what you can now. All thought to yesterday or tomorrow just takes you away from what you should be focused on now. And there's always challenging now, you know. Uh, most of us, unfortunately, spend our time staring at the TV or drinking beer or going shopping or injecting drugs or snorting coke up our nose or uh, going off riding all over the town uh, or whatever it is your buzz is um, to escape the difficulty of life when it's really um, running away from the only opportunity we have for this apparent happiness that we're all seeking uh, is to immerse ourselves in the moment, whatever it is, and do it for its own sake. This is why this this whole, like the research subject that I'm working on at the moment, um, it's all built around the theory uh, of self-determination. And self-determination speaks of this, even though it might not explicitly say it, it talks about this whole concept of staying focused on your work right now. No distraction, that's it, because that's all we have. You're going to peel spuds, peel, peel spuds. You're going to sweep the floor, sweep the floor. Wash the dishes, wash the dishes. You're going to play football, play football. All taught to extrinsics distract you from the work. And the work is all that matters. And that's, I've been talking about this for a long time. You might not have, maybe you have heard me say this before or read uh, what I've written on this subject before. And maybe you haven't, but this is what, it, this is the crux of everything that I create. It's this, it's the message around this idea that if you're to achieve the happiness that you want, if I am to achieve it, if I achieve, achieve it, that's even the wrong terminology. If I am to experience it and it comes and goes, fluctuates like the tide in and out if we are to experience it well then we have no choice but to immerse ourselves in the work right now for its own sake and then all the other stuff that comes along the bright and shiny stuff uh the praise the reward the applause the acknowledgement you know all of that is a bonus we can't be uh we can't expect to be happy 
if the extrinsics are the things that we're chasing, if they're the reason for it, research has proven this. Uh, money does not motivate people, not in the workplace. Might motivate a very small few who are, are extremely narcissistic, and the world is there for their gratification. But for the mo for most people, money doesn't do that. So the extrinsics of the work, of of self-employed work, uh, shouldn't be the driver. And if they are, well, all the best with that. Um, probably gone off topic a small bit, but I don't think so because that's 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 really the crux of what it is I write about, and why I write about it, record about it. Anyway. We leave it at that for today. I want to thank you for listening in. Uh, I've been Larry McGuire and this is Sunday Letters. Uh, don't forget you can become a paid subscriber. Support the work that I do uh, for only a fiver a month. Today you can get it for four quid a month um, for life. 40 quid a year. And uh, if you choose to do so, I'd be greatly appreciative. And I shall see you again on Wednesday for the NOMIC. Hope to see you there. And uh, until then, take care of yourselves. All the best.